Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. I am super excited to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Kate Krakow, and she is a licensed social worker, a psychotherapist, confidence and mindset coach, and writer who mentors female leaders around the globe. Her first book of two just came out. It's called Thinking Like a Boss. And in today's episode, we dive into the 12 top limiting beliefs that female business owners struggle with, a few of which I have definitely struggled with. And Kate being a mom was really fun for me to talk to because as I consider having a family in the future, it's definitely something that's on my mind about how the fuck am I going to balance everything. So it was really fun to talk to Kate about how she finds that balance and also how she releases limiting beliefs that had previously held her back in her business and from reaching her desired level of success. There are so many good nuggets of advice and wisdom inside today's show. So I hope you take some notes and let's dive in. You all heard Christina Rice on the show the other day. And I just wanted to let you guys know that Christina has a amazing podcast of her own. It is called Wellness Realness. It is your go-to show for a no BS approach to all things wellness. 
Christina is a holistic business coach and a nutritional therapy practitioner. And her guests discuss nutrition, fitness, relationships, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and everything in between. So I'm pretty sure all you empowered empaths out there are going to really resonate with her message as well as the guests that she brings on. If you are a wellness junkie or a health practitioner who loves unfiltered, raw conversations with a touch of sass and humor, Christina's show is for you. Again, it's called Wellness Realness. You can even go back and find my interview on her show from last year. Maybe we can even link that in the show notes for you all. Her episodes come out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, and I know you guys are going to love it. So go head over and check out Christina's show, Wellness Realness. Kate, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I can't wait to chat. I, I feel like you are really going to share so much wisdom with us in a little bit of a chaotic time. And we were just saying it's, it's hard not to talk about the context of the world right now. So I'd love to just start there and, and hear from you. How have you been navigating this global outbreak and, and what has come up for you during this time? Yeah. So I think at first, um, so I live in New York. Mm. And we're about 75 minutes north of Manhattan. So there are a couple hundred people like in our neighborhood here where we live that do have the virus. Mm -hmm. And then it just feels a little spit scary with there being so many people in such close sort of proximity that also have it. What I've learned from the start of this is really just trusting your intuition setting boundaries because I felt about three weeks ago, I was like, some, like, I just don't feel good about this. I feel like I need to take the kids out of daycare. So I have a two and a half year old and a 17 month old. There wasn't a lot of information on it yet. And that's what sort of scared me. Yeah. And I remember feeling like judged by a lot of people, like you're overreacting, like this is not a big deal. and being able to like really set those boundaries and stand firm on what I felt inside, like that intuition of like something is wrong. I don't want to be outside. I want to stay inside. Mm -hmm. So I've been feeling it for a while now. And at first I felt a little bit of panic to be honest, um, because I knew like, you know, within probably a week or so, like my husband would be working at home because he commutes into Manhattan every day, taking the subway, taking the, the train system. Um, and I knew what that meant would be like me having to put my business aside for a little bit. Yeah. And the last three years of my business has been a lot of that just with having kids and navigating motherhood and navigating just some like issues with kids and daycare and childcare situations. So this had March was going to be the month that we were going to have the kids like almost full time in daycare. So I was so looking forward to it. I had a big launch planned and I just felt like I, like I felt so much peace at being able to say like, I'm just going to pause things for right now. Yeah. And I feel okay doing that. And I can do that. Mm-hmm. This actually segues really nicely into your book, which is called Thinking Like a Boss. And 
one of the limiting beliefs or lies that you talk about, there's 12 top limiting beliefs that you discuss inside the book. And one of them is, I can't be a successful woman and a good mom. And you have, you know, two babies, double book deal in two years, all the, you know, two, two, two divine angel numbers there, which is so, so effing exciting, but also as a woman who I don't have children, I got married this past October, but my husband and I are like preparing to start a family and planning as much as as possible in, in the context of that. And this has me freaked out. I'm like, how, I think I maybe hold a little bit of that belief still within my system around being a successful woman and a good mom. And so I'd love to hear your perspective and how we break that down and how you also potentially have navigated that. Yeah. So first I will always say to the women who want to be moms in the future, whether it's, I really believe that as women, like we are born mothers. We are like, I look at my two and a half year old and how she mothers the 17 month old. Mm -hmm. And she has been since she was 18 months old and the baby was born. Wow. We're just born. Like we come out of the womb, ready to mother, ready to nurture. And whether you decide to have kids, you don't have kids, you're mothering your clients, your friends, your family, like we all navigate this in different ways. And I always say that in order to feel prepared for full-on motherhood, like in that heavy season of taking care of someone, the only way to prepare for it is to just be in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest answer to accept because we want to have a plan. We want to be able to know what the steps are or the roadmap is. And I didn't fully understand that. And I don't think anyone does until you step into those shoes. Like nothing prepares you for entrepreneurship or starting anything until you actually start taking those steps of action. It sounds like you really have given yourself so much grace and so much like you've been, it sounds like you've been nice to yourself in this process, whereas we could be really critical on ourselves. Like even this month where you were like probably getting excited to have more time to focus on your business. And then this thing that we had no idea would come, like just, you know, came onto our earth, onto our planet. And obviously we've all had to adapt and pivot and change. So it sounds like not only have you given yourself grace, but you've been adaptable and allowed yourself to pivot in order to, to do it all. Because I also think it's a limiting belief that you like have to, you know, choose, or you only get to do one thing or two things or three things. Like you get to do it all in your life, right? Like be the author, uh, be this amazing, successful woman, entrepreneur, be an amazing mom to two children. What other internal dialogue do you have around that process, especially like I'm so craving that as a woman who is starting to think about planning a family. Yeah. So I am a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in recovery from an eating disorder for about 10 years now. So I was completely opposite, like needed to have control over every little detail of my life. And I became much better at releasing and surrendering as soon as I had a baby. I realized, actually, as soon as I became pregnant, I realized I don't, I no longer have control over my body Mm -hmm. and what my body does. Like growing a human inside, you know, affects women in different ways. For me, I was like 
bedridden for a few months just because I was so nauseous all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that surrender process sort of started then and I had to be knocked like completely off of my feet for so long. I started my first business in 2014 and I really felt like I had control over everything. I felt like I sort of had it figured out, like I had good systems going and this just knocked me over, but in the best possible way. And again, I think it's like, being a mom, mothering children, learning that things are going to have to change. Like you're like things literally change day by day, learning that and accepting that and being able to surrender the outcome and what happens is just what makes you flexible and what makes you adaptable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had read, I, I didn't read any books at first, but then when we had our first baby, she wasn't sleeping or napping or anything. So my husband's coworker gave us a book to read and he was like, get the baby on the schedule. You know, it works. So many people do it. Like you'll be much happier. Mm-hmm. Tried it. Didn't work. And <laughs> I just remember thinking like, but like maybe it worked for a day or two. And then I would think, wow, this is great. Like now I'm going to be in a routine. And I realized that like, babies just change and they're different every single day. And I have to just be adaptable. Like I can't have any control anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason why if I hadn't had kids, I probably would be in a very different place right now, like navigating what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that it's, it's made me very flexible. Well, it sounds like it's, like imparted that lesson lesson of adaptability, pivoting, flexibility, obviously in motherhood, literally in that balance between business and motherhood, but also in all areas of life. And I think so many of us are being asked to lean into those things like pivoting in our businesses right now. So I'd also love for you to talk a little bit about the CEO mindset that you talk about inside your book and just even the importance of that right now, because I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs right now and so many are saying the same thing. I'm seeing these themes come up around it's better time than ever to become a coach and to be of high service to the world and to be putting out empowering content in the context of a lot of fear and scarcity and lack that's showing up in mainstream media. And so what would you say to that woman who is working on her mindset and building the confidence to be seen and to, to maybe start her own business? Mm, I do think it's a good time. I think it's a time that we've all been waiting for. So all of us have gone through life the last, let's just say even like the last few years saying, if I only had more time, I would get started on my dream or I would pivot in this way or start the podcast, write the book, whatever it might be. And now in some ways, like we're given a little bit of a gift. Many people are where we have this time where we're stuck inside. Mm -hmm. So I think that for many women who are even in nine to fives and they don't know like what's going to happen if they're going to be able to keep their job, like this is the time that you can finally get your dreams started. Yeah. And there's no excuses anymore, right? Like you have the internet. So you like, even if you don't have any money right now, you can Google like how to start a business, 
the first steps to take, like you can just get the ball rolling. And I think that's the most important thing is just to take that first step, Mm -hmm. even if it's imperfect, even if you fall over, but just get started because little by little, before you know it, you'll have a business or you'll have that thing that you've been wanting to birth for so long that you've been putting off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I've been encouraging people to do to make big decisions and big leaps of faith that their heart is maybe been calling them to do for so long and to do it in the context of, yeah, like there is some chaos and some unease in the world right now. But if we make big decisions and not in like a panicked way, in a grounded way, but in the context of the unknown, to me, it's just such a beautiful example of how resilient we are and how brave we are. And if you can make that really hard decision in the context of the planet right now and, and like take that big leap, then think about how much you're capable of in when the world finds its new normal and like whatever happens on the other side of all this. I mean, I don't know yet, but if you like courageously said yes now to what your heart is craving and probably has been desiring for so long I just, I really trust, and, and maybe I'm putting too much faith into that, but I really trust that that is going to pay off for the people who are doing that right now, that are taking those leaps and listening to what their heart has been craving for, for so long. And you mentioned, or I have in my notes, that you have a formula for making big decisions. And I feel like that would be really supportive to the audience right now, because a lot of people are having to make big decisions, and there's, there is changes and some unknowns that are surfacing, rustling up to the surface. So how would you support or how do you support your clients through making big decisions? Yeah. So I think typically we look at the pros and the cons, right? Like what's the best thing that could happen if we get this started or what's the worst thing that could happen? Like what are the pros and cons? And let's just say it's like starting a business right now, the Mm -hmm. pros and cons of that. Looking at the pros and cons Typically when you do that, you go in with your own answer. Like you already know you have a bias, like what your decision's going to be. So I think it's really important that we look at the other side of it. So not only the pros and the cons of getting that thing started or doing that thing, but also the pros and the cons of not doing that thing. Mm. So what I say to people is to take a piece of paper, fold it in half, fold it in half again, have four different areas of the page and tap left-hand corner, you're going to write the pros. And let's just say it's like starting a business, the pros of starting your business right now, or, um, you know, writing your book, whatever it might be. We'll say pros of writing your book. And then we'll do on the top right-hand corner, the cons of writing your book, bottom left-hand corner, the pros of not starting your book. And then the bottom right-hand corner cons of not starting your book because there are pros and cons of both sides Yeah, and put them down on paper. And yes, it sounds like it's repetitive, but it looks at a little bit of a different angle when you can put them down on paper and you now have four choices rather than just two, your answer always stands out. Mm -hmm. And when you put your little um, notes down on this paper, make sure that you just put down like the facts, like don't put emotion into it. Mm -hmm. So let's just go back to the example of like starting a business, the pros of 
starting a business are like, you have time right now. Like what's there to lose? There's nothing to lose. Like the cons of starting a business. Um, maybe you're feeling overwhelmed right now, or, uh, maybe it doesn't feel like the best time. Mm-hmm. Pros of not starting the business right now. Well, I guess you could just sit around and watch a lot of Netflix and, uh, just sort of hang out and not be challenged. And then the cons of not starting your book right now. The cons of not starting your book are like, you're not actually going to get get going. Mm-hmm. You're going to be stuck. Yeah. So then looking at all of those facts on that paper, again, your answer will always just pop right out. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. And that I think we typically just focus on pros and cons of making the decision and not so much of not making the decision. And that's an important, I think, piece to bring into the entire landscape of of making that decision so that we can make the most empowered one. And I know in in the past when I've made big and and sometimes like a little scary, like a nervous, excited, scary decision, made made a big investment, made a pivot in my in my business as a whole. I like I just rebranded again and each time I've made those, I have tried to bring in the other side, which is like, what would it be like to keep living this way and not make that change? And how might that actually create like more pain in my life than the nervousness that it, it, it would take to say yes to that thing versus sitting in wherever I am right now and keep continuing going forward and like never giving myself the, the shot, the, the chance to like experiment and to be curious and to try that thing out. So I think in, in, go ahead. I love that. I love that you said that. Cause I think that we overthink things and the longer that we overthink something, like the bigger we make it out to be and it, the harder it is to actually get started then. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of mindset that's I'm seeing coming up right now is also around money and you know, everyone I feel like is in a different situation right now. We can't really say like everyone has a bunch of time or everyone got laid off or everyone is still working or, you know, like, cause we're all in such different positions right now. For me personally, like I am busier than I was before all of this, but I do think that a common thread that's coming up is money and we all have different beliefs around it. We all have different stories around it. And one of the limiting beliefs that you mentioned in your book, Thinking Like a Boss, is that this limiting belief that making money is greedy. And I think a lot of that is coming up to the surface right now within the collective, uh, especially I was on a mastermind call last night and a woman was like, Sarah, I have this guilt around asking for money right now and putting services out into the world. And it's very similar to that limiting belief of making money is greedy. So how do you rewire that, debunk that? And, and what is your experience with that limiting belief, Kate? First of all, right now, if you can continue to sell, sell. Mm-hmm. Like your business, businesses still need to run. And if everyone is afraid of selling, afraid of looking greedy, and everyone just stops selling, like everything's going to stop. Like we have to keep the businesses going that we can keep open. And personally, I have an online business And my husband, I also have some brick and mortar businesses. One of them is a fitness center. And that one we had to 
completely freeze everyone's memberships. And then uh, we have a breakfast and lunch eatery, which we've pivoted. And now we only do curbside pickup and delivery. So, you know, we can make a little money, but it's not the money we were making before. So I think it's, if we were to say like, oh, we feel greedy continuing to make food for people who need to eat, like the restaurant would end up shutting down because there's bills to pay still. And there'd be people out there who would be hungry and looking for places to go out to eat and to have delivery and pick up. Um, So I think we have to really shift our mind around money and start looking at looking at sales as service. And I've always looked as at sales as service. Like it's just been something that I've done. Mm-hmm. But I think now more than ever, we have to all get into this mindset that whatever it is you have to offer, whether it's a service or a product, like there are people out there who need it. And a lot of these services they need now more than ever. I think of um, clients who are therapists. Like if they were to say, I feel greedy selling. So I'm not going to show up anymore and I'm not going to take on new clients. Like it's really doing a disservice to the world because there are people that are going to need therapy that have never been before because of what they're going through right now. Or, um, I think of people who are yoga instructors, like if you were to feel afraid of selling and say like, I can't charge or I can't do this. There's people who need an outlet right now. Like people still need to to buy. And I think it's about, I, I talk about this little analogy in the book, thinking about your services or your products as like a warm tin of brownies. Let's just say you like brownies. Um, you make this warm tin of brownies and you go to a, um, let's pretend that <laughs> we're not in this pandemic right now, but you go to a sporting game and it's cool out and you have this delicious warm tin of brownies and you're sitting by yourself would you just sit there and eat them all yourself or would you want to ask others if they'd want one? Most likely you would, you know, ask this person next to you, Hey, I have brownies. Would you like one? And maybe they're allergic and they can't eat them and that's fine. Then you ask someone else next to you, Hey, do you want a brownie? And they say, yes, they accept your brownies. They accept that invitation. And then maybe you ask someone else and, um, you know, they can't eat chocolate or they're gluten-free or whatever. Um, so it's about still taking that beautiful thing that you have to give and to serve, putting that out there, putting the invitation out there. And if people want to receive, they will accept and say yes. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are going to be people who say no or aren't interested in what you have, but there's a lot of people out there who love brownies and are going to want to say yes. And more than ever are going to want to have what you have to offer. So I think that it's really important that you put that out there. And I think also if you, if it helps at all, I always say this, like find a way to, um, give back. So I think of like the mastermind that I run, I always try to keep open a couple spots for people who like really can't afford it, but they really want to do it. And I know they're going to put the work in there. So you know, maybe there's like some, um, lower cost offerings that you can offer people, or maybe you would feel comfortable taking someone and someone on a scholarship. And just remembering that like you accepting payment from someone is giving you more time, more flexibility that you can give some of your time and donate some of your time in other ways. Mm -hmm. 
when you were giving that fun analogy of the the brownies at the sporting game, I was thinking about something I've also heard from my community, which is it's you were saying too, like the people who do want the brownies, aka those are the people who want to buy your services, who are your ideal clients, who do want like to be in your energy and in your container. And I hear though a lot in my community, where are those people? How do I find those people? Maybe I'm getting more clear on who who does want my brownies and like who I want to sell my brownies to or share my brownies with. But like Sarah, where are they? And so um obviously like I, I try to support them through that, but I'd love to hear your your wisdom, your guidance on how do we align with and find and like be a magnet for people who want our brownies. <laughs> yeah. I think first like being really clear and being in alignment yourself of like who you want to serve, what it is that you have to give. Like I think that as healthy as we are inside, like in our minds and our bodies, like that is as healthy as our business is going to be. So we need to take good care of ourselves, have a lot of self-awareness so that we can be out there and, you know, just be the best version of ourselves for our clients or those people that we want to attract. So when you're feeling good, you're going to attract those same type of people. And I think now more than ever, we have to really look at our businesses as a way of service. Like, how can I show up? How can I support the people who are really suffering right now, who are really struggling, really hurting with whatever it is that they're going through with my content, with my products, whatever it is. I think showing up now and really standing up as a leader, and maybe this has, maybe this is going to be a challenge for people are going to feel hard, but just really visualizing that future self that you see yourself being. Like, who is it that you want to be in the future if you weren't so afraid to show up as her today? Yeah, that's really important. And there's another chapter in your book that I'm wanting to to speak about today, which is I am my business. And I think this also relates a lot to the money that we may or may not be receiving in our business and the people we may or may not be reaching and, and like attracting into uh, our space on on social media, for example. And I do think that there are a lot of business owners who put their worth, like their entire worth into their business. And they see it as kind of like this melting pot of it's, it's all in one and it's combined. And I mean, I personally had to learn a little bit the hard way that I, I learned how to detach my worth from how much I was earning my business and the success or uh, challenges I was experiencing in the business and really detach myself from that and let them be two separate entities because Sarah Small is way more complex than just how I show up inside of my uncensored empath business. How did that look like for you? Have you ever experienced the melding of I am my business? And how do you suggest people kind of pull those things back apart so that we aren't putting all of our worth into this thing that, that is not all of us. That's not all of who we are. Yeah. So every single one of these 12 lies that I talk about in the book are things that I have experienced and things my clients have experienced. And this was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I got to such a sort of high point in my business that 
it was a really low point in my life because again, like I couldn't detach. Mm -hmm. I was now like where my business was, this was like two years into starting my first business. I had reached a level of success that felt like, Ooh, like I've made it. Like I'm where I want to be. And because I feel like my identity is so tied into my business, if I were to lose my business, I'd have no reason to live. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary place to be. Yeah, definitely. So how do you then reconcile? And it's almost like you're, a lot of this is identity-based, right? Like I, I am my business. I am this. I am that. And we put so many labels on ourselves just in general. And to me, it's like, breaking down the identity of this is all I am. And this is where I have to spend all of my time. And instead like letting it dismantle and, and letting go of the identity that is, I am just this and rebuilding in a way that is more conscious and holistic so that, yeah, if your business were to disintegrate today, that you'd still have so many other things going for you in your life. And that's the exact question that I started asking myself. And that's sort of what, that's one of the reasons, like one of the things that shifted for me was asking myself, who would I be if my business was completely stripped away? Yeah. And that's a question I always ask my clients. And for many people, it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd have anything. I don't know who I would be. Mm -hmm. And I think once you can sort of come to that realization and accept that you're in that place, Mm -hmm you can realize that like, Ooh, that's not a good place to be because if my business were stripped away, I'd have nothing. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those things that you want to rebuild in your life and start asking yourself, like bring yourself back to your why? Like most people start a business because they want to have more freedom in life, spend more time with friends and family. Like what was your why before you started your business? What were those things that you wanted more time and energy for? And where have they gone? And how can you sort of rekindle those things again? Mm-hmm. I know for me, the, the niche that and the direction that my business has taken is something that I'm highly, highly passionate about. So I love this work and I love throwing myself into it and I love showing up for it. But there have been times when I felt like, I've, I've kind of had blinders on (laughs) and it's been all the business. And ultimately that's not why I got this started. Yes. I'm super passionate and I do love what I do. And that keeps me going and it's, it's part of me, but it's not all of me. Right. So it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's okay to be super passionate about your business. I like, I love people uh, working with people who are super passionate about the topic that they teach on. And that c- gets to be part of who you are and ha- part of how you show up in the world. But it, it's certainly not all of you. And when it does feel like it's all of you, that, I think that is when we, we lose sight of some of the other things that that are important to us in our life that maybe we put to the side because we're like, well, in order to have a successful business, I have to focus on this 100% of the time. That's the only way I'm ever going to you know, grow and, and be, be successful, which I think also comes back to this conversation we started with around the pivot and the, 
the flexibility and the uh, adaptiveness that you've been able to exert within your business around the the label, the role, the identity of mo- mom and mother, as well as like CEO, badass b- businesswoman. And like you said, you have like the author title now and, and two brick and mortar businesses. And I'm sure it's easy to just throw yourself into all of that. How do you, when you're noticing yourself kind of tip over towards just the business, just the work, even if you love the work back Mm -hmm. into just Kate and like who Kate is and that part of your identity, is there any internal dialogue you have or process you have, or how do you catch yourself when you do kind of go a little too far? (laughs) I think I, I can start to hear like that. I listen to what I'm saying out loud and a lot of it is like, I have to do this or I need to do this. Yeah. And if I can catch myself saying that, then I know I'm sort of in a downward spiral of scarcity in this area or that area. And I need to just like pull back a little bit and step back and maybe like take a little bit of time away. Cause it, it usually is my business. It's never like I am just going to throw myself into mamahood. Like I love my kids to death, but I really, really love my business. And it's usually the business that I find myself getting into that spiral of, I need to do this. I should do this. I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And when I'm saying those things, I can now catch it Mm -hmm. and say, all right, it's time for me to step back a little bit. Like, what are the things that are just necessary? Like, what are the things that I want to do? And all those other things, I can just sort of put to the side. Yeah, that's helpful. And I think the more self-aware and mindful we become of our own patterns and behaviors and internal programs, the more we can ask ourselves the empowering question of, is this truly serving me? Or is this worth a debunking, dismantling, rewiring in some way that could be you know, more supportive or replaced by something else? So within your book, there's these 12 limiting beliefs. And a lot of these are absolutely things that like our mindset and our energy is so important in, in growing a business. And so a lot of these limiting beliefs, they hold us back uh, from success. They hold us back from saying yes to something our heart is craving so badly, but you know, the fear can creep in and these limiting beliefs can creep in. So I'd just love to hear from you, Kate, on any other tips or advice you have for, for somebody who's feeling a lot of that like loud voice and that, that internal talk of these, these beliefs that are not serving them, but they do feel like, how do I, how do I get over it? How do I move forward? How do I dismantle them? And in a way that allows me to reach my goals, achieve the success that I desire in my life. Mm. I think the first thing is just taking imperfect action Mm. and learning to do, and I say this to everyone, like do something every single day that you're afraid of. Do something that feels scary. Start getting yourself really uncomfortable and getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think in life, we like to avoid uncomfortable feelings and we always want to feel good. Mm -hmm. And if you can start to just like sit in that uncomfortable feeling of like doing something that's just scary or out of your comfort zone or whatever it is, that will get you closer to your dreams, to your goals so much faster. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you also are experiencing these lies, these limiting beliefs, take it as a good sign that you're moving forward. If you were content and not working towards your dreams, you would probably just be comfortable and like, again, you could live in that comfortability, but when you are moving forward, that's when these lies, like they say, like new level, new devil, Mm -hmm. these lies are going to come up. So whenever I'm feeling uncomfortable, I say like, this is a good thing. I'm growing right now. Like it doesn't feel good, but in time, this is going to get easier and it's going to be something that is just sort of innate for me. Like it's not going to be hard anymore. Mm-hmm. I really relate to that in that every time I feel a little nervous or scared about a big decision, I do see it as a good sign. I see it as an indication that I'm stretching the edges of my comfort zone and about to step into a next level. And the discomfort is very temporary. The discomfort is there in the leading up to the decision. But every time that I've said yes and like stepped up to the invitation on the other side is just massive growth. And that discomfort is like, bam, it goes away. It goes away. And then you get to be excited about your next level versus the fear that that fear is going to like linger forever. It doesn't. It goes away on the other side of that decision that, that you get to have a choice about, that you get to choose you know, for yourself. So Kate, I'd love to just wrap up with any last words and uh, also just informing the audience on where they can find your book and learn more about you. Yeah, I would say sort of from what you just said right now, like also reminding yourself, and this is something that I used to do when I was in my eating disorder recovery, Mm -hmm. like how will I feel? Like what are the things that I can do that are uncomfortable right now? that will make me feel in the future really proud of myself right now and do those things. So even though they're hard or uncomfortable, what's that feeling that I want to feel? And if I can work through this pain or this struggle right now, how will I be proud of myself? And like, what is that feeling that I'm going to experience when I get there? And like, I just think of that, like I have a huge fear of public speaking in front of like a lot, like a large audience, but it's something I really want to do. So I, when I have to do it, I envision like, what's that feeling I'm going to experience once I'm done, once I've worked through this pain, this uncomfortability, and it's just like a sense of relief and like almost like a high. Mm -hmm. So just envisioning that feeling all the time when you're working through hard things. Yeah. That's my last little thing I'd leave everyone with. Thank you so much. And then where can they find your book? Yeah. So my book is on line, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any major book retailer, um, information on my website at katecrocco.com. Perfect. We'll also link all that in the show notes for everyone to click and access easily. And thank you so much for being on the show today, Kate. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. I hope you're loving the content over here on the podcast. I want to extend an invitation to all of you to join me over on Facebook as well. I have a free group called the Uncensored Empath Community. And every Monday I provide free coaching, support, guidance, mentorship, where you are able to ask me any and all of your questions. I especially love coaching 
individuals on emotional freedom technique, aka tapping, how to reprogram the subconscious mind, tips, tools, protection for being an empath, how to build a business, discovering the emotional roots of illness and physical symptoms, as well as things like crystals and limiting beliefs and energy work and releasing emotional inflammation and so, so much more. This morning I went on and did a live coaching answer for a woman named Amy and coached her on how to heal a fear of abandonment. In the past, there have been coaching videos on specifically finding the emotional root behind rheumatoid arthritis and the most effective ways to reprogram the subconscious mind and so, so much more. I love this community. There are over 1,800 women inside, and I invite you to join us and get some free support and coaching as well. We'll drop a link in the show notes for you guys to join this free group, and I hope to see you over on Facebook. Facebook.